The following was recorded in front of a live studio audience at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. This is the United Podcast Network. The following program is closed captioned for the thinking impaired. By tomorrow, I will rule the world! You think he's gone? He's not gone! That's the whole point! He's never gone! Is this some radical new therapy? You see? Well, I must have not been paying attention When you were just talking to me Do you think that you could repeat the question? And I listen more attentively There must have been something Alrighty. Hey, how you guys doing? Tom Duggan here on the Paying Attention Podcast. Hi, atop Two Guys Smoke Shop at the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. My name's Tom Duggan. We've got Kiana. Hello. Um, we're just going to call her Kiana. She's like Cher and Shakira. She's only got one name. Kiana. We're going to make you famous. That's all I point, need. Right? One name. Uh, and we also have uh, Paul Morano's uh, sitting uh, in with us. He's I'm our- sorry. I'm, I'm Paul. You just Paul. Yes, <laughs> you just just Paul. Yeah, that's it. Paul is Paul is with us. He's a, he's our abortion correspondent. We came up with a new name for him this week. Um, it's official. We've got uh, a ton of stuff to get to, a ton of news things to get to. We want to talk about what's going on. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, we want to talk about what's going on uh, with the State of the Union address with the president this week. We want to talk about uh, all this this crazy partial birth and post birth abortion stuff. But before we do, we've got some local stuff to get to. Uh, Kiana is going to bring us uh, bring us up to date with all the news. Kiana. Yeah, we got a lot of stuff here, so uh, we're going to try and run through it. Start with Lawrence from the pages of the Valley Patriot. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. A group of volunteers that help the homeless in Lawrence, called the Movement Family or TMF, as we refer to them, went before the Lawrence City Council this week to appeal the decision of Lawrence Mayor Dan Rivera, who stopped TMF from feeding the homeless once a week at Buckley Garage. That bastard. Once a week. He wants to eradicate once a week. Yeah. Dan Dan hates the homeless. Normal people eat three times a day, and he wants to eradicate one day a week. Right. Well, TF was providing... um, Do we know why? I just told you he hates the homeless. Okay, do we know another reason why? Is there a second reason? Does there need to be another reason? He hates the homeless. Well, well, there, there wouldn't be, need to be another reason, but what is, the, is there a given reason? I no, guess there's no given other. reason other than um, Dan thinks that the homeless in Lawrence should just go away. He thinks like if he, if he stops them from being anywhere out in public and people don't see them, they don't exist. It's a typical Democrat ideal where if you don't see it, it's, it doesn't, it's not real. If the tree falls in the forest and nobody hears it, it never fell. It's not real. Mm. It doesn't make a sound. Right. Mm. So, all right. I, was, uh, I apologize, Ken, for oh, Paul, in, interrupting your news. You right <laughs> don't, well, don't you, excuse me, Tom, don't you want interactive news or do you just want it read? I'm just curious. Yeah, no, it's fine. All right. All right, a little bit of both. By the way, he's eating, he's eating Popeyes for lunch. Like, how dare you? We're on strike from Popeyes. Very good. Yeah, we're on strike from Popeyes. They're at war with Taco Are Bell. You? And we're, yeah. we're big Taco Bell fans we here on the podcast. We love Taco Bell. 
Well, <laughs> they'll, they'll never they'll never sponsor the show. I'm not doing it for that because they'll no. never do it. But I eat I eat a Taco Bell like every day. This is so delicious. I can't even t- I can't even begin to tell you both yeah. how good. This <laughs> not is. as delicious as Taco Bell though. <laughs> can't even begin. Paul, you are so fired. Okay. So TF was providing food, blankets, clothes, detox services, which is just phenomenal, counseling and other services to drug addicts and to the homeless. But I just I just can't even wrap my head around. It's it's like negative ten degrees outside. Okay, these people are hungry. Like you know, all all things aside, these these are living human beings who not, have necessities. Not, not to Dan Rivera. Like I can't. I can't even find, you know, a lot of people don't know, but like I was homeless at one point in my life Me too. and you know, I was in a temperament that was pretty middle range, you know, 65, 75 degrees every single day. And that was a struggle. Mm-hmm. And these people have literally no resources. It's cold outside, no food. The Lawrence city council voted seven two to override the mayor's decision that will allow TMF to return to the bus station to service the homeless. Councilors Dave Abdu and Mark LaPlante voted against the measure as both councilors side with Rivera on pretty much everything he puts before them. Yeah. And you know, can I just say this? I love Dave Abdu and I love Mark LaPlante. I have supported them every time they've run. They're really good guys. They really care about Lawrence. The, the problem that I'm having as their friend, Paul and Kiana, the problem that I'm having when I watch stuff like this, it's hard when the people who hate Dan Rivera call these two guys puppets. It's hard to argue with them when something like this comes before the community where you've got a small group of volunteer Latino kids, high school kids, who want to go out and help do something for the community and feed the homeless. These are all Lawrence kids, almost all of them, who want to go out and help feed the homeless, help them get into detox, provide them with clothing and blankets. And you have guys like Michael Plant and Dave Abdu voting no when the mayor doesn't want it. It's really hard to not... It's hard to justify arguing against people who, go, who are calling them puppets for Dan Rivera, mm-hmm. even though in my heart I know they're not puppets for anyone because I know they're both very independent individuals. I, I watch this vote and it's like, it's, 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 a, it's very difficult to wrap my head around. I'm a right, you can't get more conservative than I am. I'm like the most conservative guy you're ever going to meet in your life. I, I'm, maybe Paul too. I'm against abortion. Even in cases of rape and incest, like I'm, I'm, I'm as conservative as you can get. I'm to the right of, of Pappy Cannon and I'm out there trying to help TMF with feed the homeless because they're human beings. And by the way, no government money. Yeah. Right. TMF goes out and they find clothing donations, food donations. They get people from detox to try and come down and get these people off the streets. They're actually helping get homeless people off the streets and getting them clean. Yeah. And these guys are voting no. And I, and it's. It's very hard. I don't want to attack them personally. I like them both personally. I am a uh, big fan of giving people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. Has anybody asked... Which makes it- me crazy 99 <laughs> times out of 100. <laughs> yes. Um, has anybody asked Dave Abdu, why did you vote no? You know, I, I, I put a call into Dave before the vote. He called yeah. me back. I was busy. I never got a chance to get back to him. I did talk to Michael Plant about this. And Mark has the attitude, the, 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 the belief that Dan Rivera seems to have, at least in some, por- it's in some parts, that, well, you know, we've got Corunum, and they're feeding yeah. the homeless, and we've got bread and roses, and we've got this, and we, go, we, we really don't have a need for this. And so my question back to him was, well, but why would you be against it? Yeah, that would be the question. Like, you know, there's a lot of things we don't have a need yeah. for. There's a lot of money in the city budget that goes to, like, bongo lessons for Casa Dominicana. We don't have a need for that either, but you guys vote to approve it. What's 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 the what's the purpose of being against it? 
And I couldn't, I really couldn't get a satisfactory answer other than, well, we've got all these other things. TMF was going to the bus stop once a week. They were setting up. They were feeding the homeless uh, and good food too. We were getting stuff donated from Jocelyn's restaurant down mm-hmm. here on 28. Um, you know, there were a lot of people in the community pitching in. Um, people from Tewksbury Detox were coming down and signing people up, and like right there, right on the spot, bringing them to detox. So like, these are donations and volunteers, right? So then, what's the problem? Is it is it a a, a fear of it, it taints the image of Lawrence or something? Well, yeah, Dan's problem is he doesn't want people to see homeless people in Lawrence. It's a it's bad for the image. Dan cares more about. It's the same thing with the encryption of the police scanner. Dan cares more about Lawrence's reputation than he cares about what's really going on on the streets. Okay. Right? So if nobody knows that there was shots fired call last night on Salem Street because it's not on the scanner because the scanner is encrypted, well, then everyone's going to think Lawrence is paved with gold and it's a, it's a beautifully safe, wonderful community. Guess what? You can encrypt all you want. You can conceal all you want. Lawrence, Lawrence's reputation as a, as a shithole, excuse my expression, Lawrence's reputation as a bad place is not going to change because you're concealing last night's shot fired call. Sorry. And it's not going to be thought of as a good place to live or a good place to be or a safe place to be simply because you move people feeding the homeless out of the Buckley garage. Like None of that's actually going to happen. You're stealing Donald Trump's language now. Am I? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. I'm sorry. We, yeah. we interrupted Keanu while yes, she was doing news again. No, it's just some, while you were talking about it, there's just a couple of things that really stuck out to me, particularly about that topic, is that I don't think... You know, people overall in general understand how difficult it really is to get into a detox. Yeah. You know, to be able to, if you're seeking help and you're actually looking for that type of help, like you could be on, on phones all day, days at a time, sick, sick, sick. And they're providing this for them. They're coming out, they're hearing people's stories of how they've overcome, how they were in that position, you know, their testimonies of, of, life after this and if for nothing else even if they can get food somewhere else like this was you know an organized center where people could receive not just services but also kind of a little bit of hope that maybe there's a way out of this yeah mike gorman from tmf does uh really great work with not just feeding them but sitting down with them hearing their stories talking to them about finding out like what how did you get here like what is your what is your story and then trying to figure out like how we can help this person get Mm -hmm. out of the position that they're in um I think it's in your news, so I won't. I won't uh, uh, but just uh, to play that. a little devil's advocate, are you saying that the other two places in Lawrence don't have things like this going on? The other no. two that you mentioned. Well, Corunum is run by St. Patrick's. Uh, Corunum is run by St. Patrick's. It's basically a free restaurant for the homeless. They're open for breakfast and they're open for dinner every night. Okay. Um, you can go there, you can eat, and then you leave. Right. So if you got somebody sleeping in a tent somewhere, you got somebody sleeping under a bridge somewhere. Um, you know, they're not setting up detox. Food, but they're no not, shelter. Yes, food, no shelter, no, no help, clothes, no, no detox, detox, no. Okay. But, I mean, not to take away from what they're doing. Because, right. by the way, St. Sure. Patrick's is doing it mm-hmm. by taking money from their parishioners, not from the government. So, Cor Unum feeds the homeless with money not from the government. TMF feeds the homeless and services them with money not from the government. Bread and Roses services, the, services homeless not from the government. Uh, Lazarus House, they'll take any money that the government will give them. Uh, we're not big fans of them. But, but most of the services in Lawrence that are for the homeless get no money from the government. And yeah. by the way, zero dollars from the city of Lawrence, even though Lawrence goes out and gets government grants to help the homeless. But Dan's not helping the homeless. I'm sorry. I like Dan as a person, but he's, he's just wrong on this. You know, not for nothing, too, but since they, since they actually stopped serving these meals, they found at least one 
homeless person yeah, actually James, dead on the streets. James died. Yeah, we knew him. Um, Paul, when this happened, Dan just didn't throw TMF out of the bus stop. There were people sleeping at the bus stop uh, every night. There was like eight to ten people. Sometimes it was twelve if it was really cold, and they would sleep at the bus stop because it's an open. It's open, but you're inside. You know when you, where the buses pull in, mm. so you, it shelters them from like the snow and the wind. So it's a place to sleep that's a little warmer than if you yeah. were just out on the street. Um, Dan decided to throw them all out, which, by the way, which is a decision I didn't disagree with because some of the people sleeping, they were defecating. They were leaving dirty needles. It, it, it became a problem. But by virtue of the fact that he threw them out, one of those guys has now died from hypothermia from sleeping on the street. That's oh, horrible. And by the yeah. way, and I'm not, I'm not being op- over-hyperbolic, that death is on Dan Rivera. I'm sorry it is. It is. The guy died of hypothermia. The guy died of the cold who was sleeping at the bus stop. And, well, whatever. Well, from there, we're... I don't think Dan's coming to the bash now. You don't think Dan's going to come? <laughs> <laughs> well, he does this every year. Like, we disagree about all kinds of stuff throughout the year, but every year he used to come to the bash anyway because we're giving scholarships to kids from Lawrence High, mm-hmm. and we're honoring people from Lawrence uh, in various different ways. So he always came, but last year he was so pissed off about a story that I did that he just refused to show up. And so I grabbed him afterwards and said, you know, you're not hurting me. It's the kids from Lawrence High School that would like to have the mayor and the school committee in the picture when they're, you know what I mean? It's like, mm. you, sh- you should be here for them. You're not here for me. I, by the way, I, I, get, I make no money on this bash. This is all for like, it's a charity thing. So I'm hoping that he'll come anyway. But boy, given, um, given his attitude on this, th- this is a, he gets really mad when this topic comes up. Like when I try to talk to him, he gets really mad. Um, this is a big sticking point for him. Mm. And he's even harassing, now they're harassing uh, House of Mercy. Which is ridiculous because House of Mercy, again, this isn't money that comes from donations. House of Mercy, Roger Farah took money out of his own pocket to set up House of Mercy. He's a uh, developer in Lawrence. He owns a, a bunch of properties. And they feed the homeless. It's a daycare for the homeless. If you're sleeping outside, you can go there and get a shower at 9 o'clock in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. They'll do your laundry for you. So that, like, you know, you've got at least some kind of dignity. If you want to go, they will help people try to get jobs. They try and help people get into detox. And now they're harassing them. So, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't get it because the guy's a Democrat. And, Paul, what do we hear? Hmm. Republicans hate the poor. Republicans are racist. Republicans are against poor people. And yet, Dan Rivera is a Democrat. Seems like he wants to um, uh, have more businesses come into Lawrence to revitalize the place. And... Homeless people don't uh, don't look good. Yeah, well, right? is that what I'm hearing? Uh, maybe. Seems like what. Uh, then, but like, but do like something. Say, but do something to help them, and don't stop people who are helping them. Find a way to work with them. Well, I think hmm. I think the issue there is that by having some type of service, it draws attention to the fact that they're servicing. A need, and he's trying to ignore the need. Yeah, he's trying to pretend there's no need. Exactly. So if you have a service coming in and making headlines, right. and you know talking about how they're actually helping these people, and also, the services they're providing, you're going to be bringing people in from other towns too. Right. It also makes him look bad because he's not helping poor people. Mm-hmm. He's the Democrat Latino who's not helping poor people, while all these other people are. And I think by ver- it's kind of like when you're the real thing and you're standing next to someone who's a phony. Just by contrast, people can see the difference, and I think that's part of it too. I'm, just, I'm, really, I'm really disappointed in, in, in Dave Abdu and, and uh, Michael Plant. They're still good guys. I still like them. I'll still support them. But I'm, just, I'm very disappointed. Um, now, if Dan vetoes this, this uh, city council action, 
They need two-thirds to override his veto. They have the two-thirds. I spent a lot of time on the phone talking to councils. <laughs> I spent a lot of time on the phone talking to councils over the last two weeks. And, that, and by the way, this is, this is win number one. Now we're going to start working on encryption. Mm-hmm. And I don't care who gets mad at me. I don't care if the chief gets mad at me. It's wrong. They can cry about officer safety. By the way, I, I haven't said this because I like Roy and I don't want to be at war with Roy. However, I consider it a personal slap in the face when the chief tells me that they're encrypting the police scanner because of officer safety. Everyone knows what happened to my dad. Everybody knows that there's nobody who's more for officer safety than I am. Mm. And to use that to try and encrypt the, and to try and conceal crime in Lawrence, I'm sorry, that I considered that a personal slap in the face. And I've been very quiet considering what I would normally be doing because of who the chief is and I agree with his overall mission. But this is gonna come to a head. And I'm gonna be getting this before the city council as well. And we're going to see if we're going to do everything humanly possible to stop this encryption. It's ridiculous. Sorry, I didn't mean to get on a different topic. I know you're on the homeless stuff. (laughs) Well, actually, this is what we do here. We start with one topic. We go around the world and come back. That's fine. I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in Methuen. Oh, Methuen is just, This is the breaking story. Are you kidding me? We could do a whole show now on this. We could do the whole show on this one story. You're going to turn your um, volume down. Mm -hmm. If you're going to watch the Mm -hmm. show while we're on the show, Paul. Because there's a delay. Sorry, Paul. Paul is so disengaged with what we're doing, he'd rather watch the five-second delay on his computer than participate in the conversation. I'm very much enjoying this show. Yeah, You guys are doing well. Yeah, great, thanks. Go ahead, ahead, Kiana. All right, so the Inspector General has released his report on corruption in Methuen connected to the passage of the Police Superior Officer's Contract. I giggled through every paragraph. I giggled through every paragraph. I giggled through every sentence of this report. It was just unbelievable. So the IG states that in his report, there are four members of the previous city council personally that had benefited from the contract that they voted on. Yeah, when did we heard that before? Somewhere, anyway. Yeah, so then Councillor Jim DeJuga, who is now the mayor of Methuen, voted on the contract even though his son is the superior officer. So Councillor Sean Fontaine took a job in the police department shortly after taking his vote on the contract. Councillor Jamie Atkinson not only voted on the contract, but also voted on creating an accountant's job in the police department. And then... Took, took that the, job. Took the job. <laughs> he created his own job. Created his job, took the job, left the council. Yeah. And Councillor Lynn Weidler um, voted on the contract, even though her husband had just been promoted to sergeant. So she voted on it. Right. I guess nobody else wanted the job. Huh? Right. So, so they had this thing. <laughs> like, while, this is, while this is all going on, um, uh, while this vote was about to be taken, they said, well, look, we've got five members of a nine-member board that have a conflict of interest. So um, there's this thing called the rule of necessity. We wrote an editorial on it called it the rule of corruption, which says that if you have a board and the majority of the board has a conflict that... It, that it can't be passed, then it's okay, everybody can vote, right? Which is, by the way, the, the dumbest law I've ever heard in my life, because that means, like, if you're one guy and you're going to steal from the taxpayers, that's wrong. But if everybody gets their finger in the pie, that's okay. So they all voted, uh, they all decided they were going to vote, even though they all had a conflict. The IG said that, no, 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 no. The only way you can invoke the rule of necessity is if you are legally required to act. So if this was something like there was a flood in Methuen and they had to appropriate an emergency measure to you know, appropriate money for you know, flood disaster relief or something, and they had to do it, uh, then they could invoke the rule of necessity as long as there's no other option. And the fact that this contract could have been bounced to the next council, 
right? And they still would have been paying off the old contract until the, the new council came in and voted on the contract with no conflicts. The fact that there was options meant that they illegally invoked the rule of necessity and all of those councils are now in big trouble. Well, not only that, but the IG report detailed how they had rushed through that contract. They had no public input, no public hearing. They didn't ask any questions, and they voted twice on it in one night to approve the contract, which was in direct violation of state law, too. Yeah. So, it, like in other words, when the contract comes up for teachers or, or police officers or DPW workers, um, they're supposed to do a first reading at that meeting. And then at the next scheduled meeting, they do a second reading. And the reason why they're supposed to do that in two different meetings is it gives people time in between to grab a counselor and go, hey, did you know that this was in the contract? I, I don't like that. Or, did you know that this is in the contract? I do like that. And, and, and it'll give, it gives them time to understand and research what's actually in the contract once they've done the first reading. Instead, the prior counsel went, uh, all in favor say aye, opposed nay, the ayes have it. Okay, let's take a second vote. All in favor say I oppose, no, the ayes have it. They rush it through. Not one comment, not one question, no public input, no public hearing. I said this on Tim Wood's show. If it's still up online, I think, uh, even though he's mad at me, I don't think he's taking it down. I was on his show a year ago where I said deals were made. Mm. Oh, everybody was like, oh, my God, you can't say that. Oh, no, they're, they're like everybody's hiding under their desk. You can't say deals were made. Now we know. Now we know. You read the IG report. They all but spelled out that there was a, a quid pro quo. They didn't come out and say it, but they all but came out and say it. And so. on top of that, there were no consequences for the superior officers or for Joe Solomon. There's, yeah, no, were, no, culpa they weren't even mentioned, no right? culpability. Well, they were mentioned, but there was no. What the IG report said was that the previous council all did bad things. Mm -hmm. That the previous mayor, did, Mayor Zanny, did bad things. That Mayor Jujuga did bad things. Sean Fountain, Jamie Atkinson, they did bad things. But nowhere in this report does it hold the police officers culpable for anything wrong. There's nothing in this report that said Joe Solomon shouldn't have done this or that the police superior officers should have done that, uh, that they violated the rules by doing X, Y, and Z. There's not one word in this report. And all of the scorn is in, in public in Methuen has been on the cops. Like I heard, I heard somebody say to a cop the other day, boy, I wish the hell I was making what you're making half a million dollars a year. And they're hearing, they're hearing the public scorn over their salaries. And this report doesn't say one word about the cops doing anything wrong. They bargained in good faith. They put a contract before the city. Doesn't matter what the contract says. They put a contract before the city. The city approved it. Yeah. That's it. I mean, th th there was no culpability on their part whatsoever. There's been so far no illegality found at all on behalf of Greg Gallant or the Superior Officers Union or the Patrolman or, or Chief Solomon. And yet they're the ones that are getting all the scorn. They're, people are walking around bullshit at the, at the Methuen police. I mean, it's everywhere you go, you go into uh, Man Orchards or Heavenly Donuts and people sitting there talking and they're trashing the cops. And it's like, wait a minute, the cops didn't do anything wrong. But, you know, they read the Tribune and they think the Tribune is gospel. So that's what they go by. Evil Tribune. The Evil Tribune. Evil Tribune. <laughs> uh, I want to talk to you a little bit about um, Senator Diana DiZoglio. Oh, she's the best. I really love her. I do too. When I, the last time she came here, I got to sit down and talk with her a little bit about um, um, the bill that she was passing in, in regards to, you know, this, this fight on the opioid crisis. And as somebody who, you know, spent many, many years within the opioid crisis, you know, a lot of people don't know, but... I 
was an IV heroin addict, you know, methamphetamines, I'd lived homeless. So to see a young woman come in and fight so hard and be so front of this movement that, that is, that's coming against this opioid crisis was like, just really amazing yeah. to see that she went in there, she knocked walls down and she was just so ready to handle this bull by the horns. And that was just really encouraging for me. So I, I love her. I think she's great. Love Diana. Well, uh, she actually passed a measure very recently um, in the Senate doing away with non-disclosure agreements in cases of sexual harassment or sexual assault within the state house. So here she is coming after in the midst of, you know, this is such a great story. Hashtag me too. Like all of this stuff that's happening. We, you know, the reports about R Kelly, that huge documentary that just got dropped. And she's talking about, you know, even here in the state house, I want to do away with non-disclosures because I'm so sick of people protecting these people's careers over actually speaking out over it. Right. I, I just, I think she's coming out after another hot topic. Like nobody wants to address those things. And she just comes out and says, here, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. the closest thing you're ever going to have to Tommy Duggan in the Senate. Unbelievable. So she says that she herself was a victim of severe sexual harassment at the state house when she was the aide to uh, representative Paul Adams. Mm -hmm. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. And again, when she was elected a state representative. So she's actually a victim of this issue and she's coming out and saying like, Hey, I want to tackle this. Um, she said that non-disclosure agreements are designed to protect the political careers of the men at the state house who prey on women. And as a side note, even though the Senate passed the measure for their members, the house of representatives voted against the measure. Um, as Speaker of the House, Bob DeLeo campaigned heavily against Desoglio's bill. He was like not about it yeah. at all. Well, he's one of the people that is hiding the sexual harassment of women at the state house. Yeah, he, re he really likes the non-disclosure agreement. Yeah, he loves it. Of course he does. Listen, if I was a state rep and I was sexually harassing and sexually groping women every day at the state house, I'd be voting no too. And not only I'm not that, saying he's doing that, but I'm saying if, if I, I, I would be against it too. Or if my best friend was doing it, I'd be against it too. Well, yeah, well to know he knew about the harassment that... Desoglio had endured while she was in the house and did nothing about it. By the way, that's not her saying that. That's me saying that. Okay, well, he that's knew. you saying that. He knew. He yeah. knew. She brought it to his attention. He did nothing about it. Mm. Yeah. So. Uh, well, it's nice to see somebody tackling Yes, Paul? No, oh, just for the sake of the audience who doesn't know what a non-disclosure agreement is, okay. just a couple of sentences on what that means? Sure. So um, let's say you've got a state rep who sexually harasses or is accused of sexually harassing accused. Okay. another state rep or an aide or someone who works at the state house. Maybe he's being accused of groping her in the, in the hallway or whatever. And she files a complaint. Um, it goes like before like a mediation. They sit down and they decide like, you know, what the complaint is, whatever. Right. And um, they'll maybe offer her an out-of-court settlement. And as part of that out-of-court settlement, they put in a non-disclosure agreement. So she can't go to the Herald oh, okay. and say, State Representative Duggan sexually groped me in the elevator. And um, when... So and by the way, it was mandatory. When she was a state rep, it was mandatory. So they made her sign. She won't say this because she can't say it. I mm -hmm. can say it. They made her sign a non-disclosure agreement or there would be no agreement. It was one of those things where it's, it's not negotiable. So if you want this to go away... Um, if you want to get whatever we're going to pay you to go away, uh, you have to you have to sign this little secrecy clause that you're not going to run around telling people what happened. All right, so it's what uh, a lot of people accuse Trump of having with right. uh, with those mm -hmm. people. All right. I All thought right. I thought that actually meant if you're if you're accused of something. Your name isn't um, just uh, spelled out to the media. Well, I mean, that, well, that's listen, part that's, of it too. That's that that's that's the backlash because then what happens if somebody is mm -hmm. 
My fear is, and I had a conversation with Diana about this. My fear is, let's say I'm a state rep and I'm wrongfully accused. Yeah, exactly. Right. That that was my concern. And then and then we sit down and go, look, I don't want this on the front page of the paper. So can we? I'll settle this if you just give us a non-disclosure agreement. Cause I I don't want this ruining my career. My fear with this is that now that there's no non-disclosure agreements, that even if the victim wants it not to be in the paper and wants non-disclosure. I asked Diana about that. I yeah. said, I said, what, what if the victim wants it? She said, I put specific language in that if the victim wants it, you can have a non-disclosure. Yeah, but agreement. what if the victim wants it, but the accused doesn't want it, and the accused happens to be innocent? Yeah, well, that's true. That's, 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 that's just, a drawback. Uh, well, we well. got to get her on the show to talk about the. <laughs> I mean, a person's, the a person's reputation can easily be destroyed, right? And their whole life destroyed. Look what's happening in Virginia. <laughs> we could spend a whole hour on that. I mean, come on, they, from 30 years ago, the guy's in a picture. Mm. Come on. Oh. I'm not saying it's right. I'm oh, just yeah. saying, you know, it's 30 years ago. <laughs> Anyways. Well, uh, the last thing I just kind of want to talk about is I want to remind everybody who's listening about the bash that's coming up. Yay. The big bash. The big it, bash. Yeah. It's the 15th 1-5 anniversary bash, which in itself is just an amazing feat. Tom, you've just done, you've built like this empire on. The empire. On just being real, like <laughs> just telling the people. I'm getting sued. They, I built an empire on getting sued. Well, it's on April 5th. Uh, the newspaper puts on an annual charity bash. This is a charity bash each year to help veterans to give out scholarships to um, high schoolers from the area and honoring police and firemen. This year, the band Prospect Hill. Yay! Woo-woo. Prospect, Prospect Hill is going to be performing. Play. And we're also going to have a couple of um, local sub- celebrities like our, our dear, dear friend. From MTV. <laughs> Al Caprillion. Oh, Al Caprillion. Right. And Brittany Baldy from, from MTV. MTV right. we, we expect them to be there. Um, you can get tickets on Eventbrite ahead of time. They're 35 in advance. They're 40 at the door. But but just heed this. If you bring an unopened pair of socks or underwear for the homeless, you'll get $10 off your raffle tickets. Yeah, you get $10 in free raffle tickets. Mm-hmm. Now, somebody uh, watching online, Heather, Heather Mariani, asked, uh, why would you want Dan Rivera at the bash? Um, the, given the way he treats people. And here's the reason I want Dan Rivera at the best. Even when I'm mad at him, he's not there for me. Yeah. It's not about me, and it's not about him. No. It's about, we're going to give a scholarship to a R- junior ROTC kid from Lawrence High School. He should be there to support that kid and their family. Oh, it's about the yeah. office of the mayor. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and we're going to be giving an award to a Lawrence police officer. We're going to give away the, uh, once again, we, every year we do the Officer Tom Duggan Hero Police Officer Public Safety Award. And it's going to be a Lawrence police officer and at least one Lawrence firefighter. And he should be there for them and their families, too. And, you know, when, when he and I are warring and he shows up anyway, that makes a big statement to the community yeah. that we can both put our differences aside for something better than us, something, something, something up, bigger, something bigger than us. And so I will continue to invite him no matter how mad I am at him because I think he should be there for people, other people besides me. Um, and, you know, by the way, he's free to get up at the microphone and trash me all night if he wants. People are more than happy to do that at my bash. They do it all the time. Uh, yeah, get up at the <laughs> microphone and trash me if you want, but be there for the other people. Be there for the junior ROTC kids. Be there for the Lawrence cops and firefighters. That's all. Speaking of important people being there, 
Puppy Girl? Uh, we're working on Puppy Girl. Yeah, she won't be emceeing. Ooh, who's emceeing? Uh, we don't know who's going to emcee. We know Jeff okay. Deal's coming. Uh, we've got a bunch of people that we're looking at to emcee. Well, we haven't decided Sienna who MC. the emcee is going to be. Anybody with one name could probably do a maybe, really good job. Maybe. I'll be there I was going to have my daughter emcee this year, but she's not really talking to me. So, um, justice? The, yeah. Oh, okay. That probably won't happen this year. It was just too bad because this is the year I was going to turn the whole thing over to her. I do have an announcement with, with, that comes to the bash. Then we have to take a quick break. Um, uh, we and I'm going to announce at the night of the bash for those who don't watch the podcast. Um, Maria Fiato and Brenda, we actually call it Maria and Brenda's bash because they actually like run the whole thing. Um, have decided to make the bash a 501c3 nonprofit. Oh, awesome! So as it works right now, if you want to donate money to the bash, you give us a check. We give it to people, and you don't get a tax write-off. And uh, we've gotten calls from Lawrence General and a couple of other companies that have said. Geez, if you were a nonprofit, we'd be happy to write you a check for five grand, but you know. Mm -hmm. So um, we've talked about it a lot for the last couple of years, and given that we've got this lawsuit and everything else that's going on, uh, they thought it was a good idea to indemnify the bash, uh, make it a 501c3. I won't be on the board so that, you know, if somebody sues me, we can continue to do charitable stuff. We can continue to help the homeless. We can continue to honor firefighters, veterans, and police officers, give out scholarships and all that stuff. Nice. So uh, that's going to be that's going to be a lot of fun because once we are a five hundred one c three, I think this thing's going to grow significantly. We'll have a lot more money to give away. Absolutely. So, anything else, Kiana? No, I got nothing. All else. right, let's take a quick break. Ed Sullivan, the voice of Purgatory, very quiet today. Oh, I have a lot to say. Do we? <laughs> <laughs> when we come back, we're going to talk about abortion. We're going to talk about the president's State of the Union address. And we talk about a whole bunch of Elizabeth Warren and a whole bunch of other stuff. Back after this, I'm paying attention. <laughs> A&M Auto Body. We got our friend Angelo over there. Angelo Memolo over there. He does great work on your car. So if you got a ding in your car, somebody hits you, you got a mechanical problem, you bring it to A&M Auto. He's on South Broadway in Lawrence on Inman Street. Angelo will take care of you. Um, so what's the address there? 341 Three South Broadway, Lawrence, Massachusetts. I don't know why these guys love me so much. I really don't. But Twin Lights, let me tell you how, how dedicated I am to helping my sponsors. The guys at Twin Lights Security needed an extra security guy to do private investigations and to do security for a certain thing in Boston. And they posted it on my page and asked if it was okay if they could use my page to solicit hiring people. And I said, you know what? As busy as I am, these guys sponsor the show. They sponsor the Valley Patriot. They give us $1,000 for the bash. I'm going to go work for these guys. So I called up Pat McLaughlin and I said, look, you help us every single time we need something. Whenever I put out a call, you're there. If you need an extra person in your short, I'll take the night off and I'll come work for you. And so I, ha so I have been. I've been doing some work for them because they're helping us. And so there's no reason why I shouldn't be able to find a way to help them in the meantime. So if you need security or if you're getting divorced and you need a private investigator, if you have a business and you need a private investigator or security, uh, you want to call Twin Lights Security. They're based out of Gloucester, but they're very local. If while I'm driving around Lawrence, I get shot and killed, make sure you get my body to Perez Funeral Home because we do business with the people who do business with us. And he's on South Broadway. With the, it's the old Scott Funeral Home. If, you were, if you're an old-time Lawrence resident, it's the old Scott Funeral Home on, on South Broadway. Perez Funeral Home at 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. Um, you can, they do crematory services. They do all the stuff that they're supposed to do, right? And uh, Mike's a, a big fan of the show. 
He followed us when we go live. He's an advertiser now in the print edition of the paper, and he's now sponsoring this program. Perez Funeral Home and Crematory Services, 298 South Broadway in Lawrence. We appreciate him. Franklin Veloz from Veloz Auto Group. Uh, he specializes in people that have uh, maybe bad credit, no credit. Maybe you haven't had a job for a long period of time, so you don't think that maybe you qualify for a car loan. Usually, you know, they want you to have a job for a year or more. Uh, he specializes in getting people who have bad credit or no credit or maybe spotty credit, uh, getting them into a used car. He used to work for Charlie Dears Commonwealth Motors for a long, long time, so he knows his stuff. I think he was a credit manager over there or something. So he knows what he's doing, and, um, and he follows us live, too. I really appreciate that he does. Every time I see him pop on, I'm very excited about it. And I was there yesterday to deliver his newspaper, and he said he's already had customers come in from us talking about him on this show. So we appreciate Veloz Auto Group. Go see Franklin. He's at 17 Mass Ave. It's right at the very beginning of Mass Ave on the Lawrence North Andover line. Maria Fiato, the head of my bash committee, just posted online to um, please remember we're always looking for donations for the raffles and the scholarships for the bash. So if you'd like to do that, um, I'm in Facebook jail. Don't send me a Facebook message. Uh, send a message to the Valley Patriot page or my assistant, Robert Crane. You, everybody should be uh, friending Robert Crane because that's good Robert guy. Yeah, I'm he's, friends with he's, him. He's awesome. Bob Crane. I love that guy. Oh, I like that Bob. guy's great. I've always liked Bob. You like Bob? That guy, yeah. 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 Not a bad guy. Uh, so we got a bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm glad Keanu decided to stay with us. Uh, we have, where do you want to go first, Paul? We've got uh, State of the Union Address. <clears throat> we've got Elizabeth Warren. Oof. And we've got uh, partial birth abortion, Democrats supporting partial birth abortion and post-birth abortion. And a bonus topic, what the hell's going on in Virginia? Oof. I know, right? I mean, yeah. it's all home runs today. It's all was, cringeworthy. All right. I was waiting for one oof of Kiana's to be a little louder than the others to choose that one, but I think, <laughs> they, were all, I think they were all the same. Yeah. Yeah, they're all, they're all pretty bad. Uh, why don't we start with the first one? Trump's uh, inauguration. Uh, inauguration. Uh, His State, of the, State of the Union State address. Of the Union address. I watched that address, and it was the great, mm. in, my, in my lifetime, mm. I have never seen a president give a speech that great. In my and, and I lived through Nixon, I lived through Reagan, I lived through both Bushes, and when he got up there, I have never seen in my lifetime Democrats and Republicans chanting and clapping USA together in the Chamber of Congress ever in my lifetime or before. It may, maybe it happened, like I don't know what happened when James Knox Polk was president, but it may have happened once before. But in my lifetime, I've never seen that. And Donald Trump, love him or hate him, made it happen. Mm -hmm. He made it happen. He took it right to the, uh, to the Bernie Sanders crowd that we would not be a socialist country, that we were fighting against socialism. He talked about the partial birth abortion mm -hmm. issue. He hit every single third rail that Republicans like Mitt Romney have been afraid of and run away from their entire life. And by the way, that's why Mitt Romney's not president and Donald Trump is. I agree. I agree with that last line. All right. Next topic. I think there are <laughs> so many Republicans uh, are sort of putting one foot in, putting their big toe in the pool, but don't want to dive in completely right. because they're afraid that the power structure of the media will not allow them to get their message out if they don't play their game to a certain degree. Right. Trump is saying, hey, I don't care about your game. Right. Yeah. You're going to have to cover this uh, address, so I'm going to say what I want. Right. 
And then they cover him anyway. Right. And the, and the best part was all we hear on CNN every day, 24-7, is Trump's a Nazi. He hates Jews. He hates blacks. He hates gays. He hates women. Uh, he, ha- he kicks puppies on Sundays just for fun. And then the average person who consumes that, the person who doesn't follow things as closely as we do, then they tune into the, to the State of the Union address and they see him pointing out somebody who was in the Holocaust. And they see him talking about African unemployment being the lowest in American history, that Latino unemployment is the lowest in American history, that more women are working now under Donald Trump than under any other president. And the average person has to have cognitive dissonance. They have to be looking at that going, wait a minute, but that's not what we're told on CNN every day. That's not what the Boston Globe says every day. I think it was very disappointing to the left because the left psychologically needs a scapegoat. There is so much anger and hatred built up and pent up in this movement that they need somebody to hate. Yeah. And before it was, uh, it, and it's usually the president. I mean, you remember the hatred of George Bush. Oh, my God. It was just, and before that, it was. Uh, well, he Reagan. was a racist and he was a Nazi, yeah. right? And, yeah. and he oh, was yeah. going to cause World War Three. And Ronald Reagan had six letters in each name, so he was the Antichrist. He, yes. wasn't, even, six, he, six, he wasn't just a Nazi, yes. he was the, literally the Antichrist. And he six, was six, definitely six. going to uh, start a nuclear war. Yep. No question about yep. it. They and, took, they and, took Russia's and he side. The exact opposite. The Democrats took Russia's side. The liberals and the progressives took Russia's side when Reagan was president, that he was going to start the war by fighting against Russia, right? Now, suddenly, they've decided that Russia is the biggest problem in the world. It's amazing. Yes. yes. It's wow. amazing. Yeah. And they, they need this. And, and I think the State of the Union kind of dampered what they need right. as an object of hate. I love so how now C- what do they do? I love how CNN afterwards, they had to show the poll that said that 79% of Americans love the, love the yeah. speech. And so they had, to, they had to couch it with. Now, remember, though. Yes. Always remember, though. Always remember, yeah. though, that the people who watch these speeches are yes. usually fans of the president. They didn't say that when <laughs> Obama was president. <laughs> they never they didn't did. say, by the way, the yeah. only people watching this were people who were fans of Obama. No, they went, 100% of everybody loved Obama's and, speech. And by the way, I saw a CBS poll, which is almost as liberal as CNN, and, and their uh, approval rating was much higher than really? 79. Really? Well into the 80s. Listen, love him or hate him, Donald Trump is making a huge positive difference in this country by standing up to political correctness, by not caring if they call him a racist, not caring. If they called Mitt Romney a racist, he would run and hide under his bed, right? Mm. Because these guys are all a bunch of cowards. John McCain went from being a conservative to being a liberal because he just didn't want to be called a racist. He didn't want to be called names. He wanted the media to like him. Look where that got us. Like, seriously, Donald Trump has done more against Russia than any other president in American history. He's done more for African-Americans than any other president, including the black one in history. And, and you can love him or hate him, but look at, I say look at what he does. All Democrats want to talk about, I have a lot of Democrat friends, I bring up Donald Trump. He says mean things. He says mean things. He says all these mean things. And then you say, well, what about the things that he's done? They don't even know. And then there's the, he doesn't believe what he says. Right, you right, guys yeah, are just yeah. sheep right, following yeah. this guy. Right. He's a, he's a, and, and my response to that is, I don't care really if he believes them or not, as right. long as he does, does them. them right. <laughs> I don't care what he believes in his, in his personal life. If he goes home in his kitchen and tells um, Miliana, yeah, I really don't believe this. As long as you do it, right. um, you're, you're doing your job as president. Look, we've had presidents who call black people the N-word. Mm-hmm. We've had presidents who call Jews kikes. Mm. We've had presidents who hated gay people. Openly said stuff, right? Yeah. Openly ridiculed blacks. Openly ridiculed Latinos. LBJ called black people the N-word on tape, right? Uh, Richard Nixon called Jews kikes on tape. The country survived. 
And nobody, nobody today goes back and says, geez, you know, LBJ, the creator of the Great Society, the guy, the, the big liberal hero. No one goes back and says, yeah, but he hated black people. He used the N-word. He was a racist. Nobody, mm. what people look at in a president 20 years later, 50 years later, is what did they accomplish? Not right. did he say mean things. Right. 100 years from now, no one's going to go, Donald Trump was a bad president because he said mean things to people and he hurt their feelings. No, they're going to look at what he did. And this is where How did it affect the country? And then they're going to judge him on that. This is where we distinguish Judge between, him on that now, I say. Between judging a candidate and judging a president. Right. I think um, there might be some merit into saying you've got to judge a person's character if he's running for president, because when things come along, you you, you sort of know where he's going to go with those, uh, if, you, if you understand his character, if he has a good character. In a president, though... Um, you know, it might be a stretch to say that Donald Trump is, has the, uh, the best character in the world. You, you judge what he does. Right. You judge his accomplishments. I love when liberals come out and they say things like uh, when Kanye West was in the White House, <laughs> right? And, yeah. the, and the, liberals yeah. getting, the liberals on CNN, all the Democrats on CNN, because they're all Democrats, uh, came out and said, you know, he sullied, the, the, he, he sullied the, the, the Oval Office. It'll never be the same. That's supposed to be a place of dignity. And look, you had Kanye West jumping around like a madman. Can, do we all remember the cigar situation when President <laughs> Liberal Democrat Bill Clinton was president? I'm pretty sure he did way more to sully the Oval Office oh, yeah. with his cigar mm-hmm. on the on the resolute there, desk. There's no question that about Donald that. Trump did having Kanye West sitting there. But it's funny how the left does not say that uh, say anything about racism when it comes to that. When it comes to Kanye, uh, no. When it comes to people saying that the Oval Office was being sullied because some guy was running around it like a, like a crazy man. Well, right, yeah, yeah. Usually, I mean, if a Republican said that, I think there'd be cries of racism. Oh, yeah, because he's time. black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they always like to make that leap. Mm-hmm. Like, always. Like, no, yeah. no conservative Republicans ever allowed to say anything that a black person might be able to find offensive if they twist mm-hmm. it. And if they do, that makes them de facto a racist. Which brings us to our next topic. Democrat governor of Virginia... You know, I was with this guy, right? When the first story broke and they said, well, he was in blackface or in a Klan hood 30 years ago in his college and he needs to resign. And I thought, why does he need to resign? Right? I mean, I judge people based on what they do, not a picture from 30 years ago. And then I started to remember, wait a minute though, this is the guy that ran for governor of Virginia calling the other guy a racist. (laughs) Calling Ed Gillespie a racist because he didn't believe in whatever affirmative action or whatever their political view was. So, all, and he they ran commercials of a black guy being run down by a deplorable in in, in like a uh, in a big like four door truck, mm. right? Like like we're going back to the lynchings of the 1950s if you elect Ed Gillespie. So then I started thinking, you know, if you hold Governor Northrop to a real standard, it really shouldn't matter that he was in a picture. 30 years ago, 20 years ago, in blackface, because he's done an awful lot for African-Americans since then, as governor, as a former whatever state rep, whatever he was before that. But then when you think that he's holding other people to a different standard, I think we ought to hold people to the standard they hold other people to. If they're not holding people to another standard, then you hold them to the standard you hold everybody. But if they're the ones raising the standard and saying, no, 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 the other guy's a racist because he doesn't believe what I believe, and they're running commercials of a black guy getting run down by a white guy, and this is what's going to happen if, you're op- if my opponent wins, then you know what? Then I think maybe he does need to resign. I think maybe he does need to resign. Has it been proven that he was one of those two in the picture? He first said that it was, then he said that it wasn't, 
Now he says that, but at one point he did have blackface on with, right. uh, because he was... Well, then he uh, admits that he did it. He did do blackface at one point. Yeah. Now, this brings another whole topic we could spend a whole day on is I'm still trying to figure out why blackface is racist. Right. Right? Right. This is just my own personal ignorance. Okay. I don't understand how... Dressing up in black. I understand the history. I have black friends who go, yeah, but Tom, you don't understand the history. Right. But, there's a, but Volkswagens were invented by the Nazis, and we don't run around saying don't buy Volkswagens. Right. We've all moved mm -hmm. on. We live now. We don't live in the past. We don't live during slavery. We don't live during the, during the minstrel shows. Right. So, so this is the same as like the Washington Redskins. You don't understand right, why that is right, offensive. Right, because we've moved on. And if we spend all of our time trying mm. to cleanse ourselves of all of the influences of our past history that might have been negative, we'd be getting rid of bare aspirin, right? Because the bare aspirin company was making the gas that was killing Jews back in the Nazi times. All right, if you, if you get rid of the history, is there anything inherently wrong or racist about putting on a black face and pretending you're a black person? I, just, I, I, just, just that in and of itself. Unless you're doing it to mock black people. If you're doing mm. it to mock black people, mm. obviously. I think it's the intent. Right. If you're right. in a, if you're in a, if you're in a, uh, a costume party and, and, and you went as a black person. And there's a theme and they say the theme is going to be, you have to like the scariest thing you can think of or uh, something from the last century, right? And you dress up as a Klansman and you dress up as a, how many, you know what they don't complain about? They don't complain about uh, every time I go to a uh, Halloween party, there's always one asshole woman who's dressed as a pregnant nun. And it always pisses uh, me it always okay. pisses me off. Yeah. Or there's a Jesus with blood in the hands. Right, right. Yeah. That stuff offends me, but it doesn't offend me enough that I call their employer and say they don't have a right to work. Like That's, why does this guy not have the right to work? Right, right. Those things because are twenty mocking. years ago he had blackface, yeah. other than the fact that he, he changed the standard himself. So if uh, somebody mm -hmm. went to a costume party, a black person went as a white guy. With white face right. and straight hair. Right. Um, would that be offensive to you? Not really. Okay. All right. So then, in and of itself, it's not offensive. The problem is the history. And you're saying, let's just wipe away the history so that we can all just enjoy... Well, not so much wipe it away. I mean, we know that it happened and we know that it was bad, but it, it's not the same context. Like, there's a different context in 2019 yes. than there was in 1954, right? And, and I, I think we need to stop being so damn sensitive, first of all. And second of all, I... I, I, I if, the, if, if this guy, if you're a Democrat and this guy has done everything he can to help African-Americans in his public life. I, going back to Donald Trump, I care more about what he does today, what he accomplishes, what he does for the taxpayers, what he does for his constituents, than a picture from 30 years ago of saying mean things. You know who made Martin Luther King um, holiday a holiday? Uh, George Bush, right? No. Uh, Richard Nixon. No, it was the other guy that they call the racist all the time. Uh, Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. All right, we we got about ten minutes left, and we've got to get to abortion because Paul is our abortion correspondent. The other thing that the that the uh, the <laughs> governor of Virginia did right before he got found to have blackface was he went on a radio show where he advocated that if a baby is born alive, alive, and the parent decides it doesn't want it, that it's okay to kill that baby. Now, that's not outrageous. Or at least leave the baby to die to on die. its own. Right. Yeah. Now, that's not a crazy, outrageous thing when you consider that the entirety of the Democrat Party, at least those in power, support this. They have supported this for a long time. Whenever you ask any Democrat in power what they think of, quote, partial birth abortion, they will make an excuse to either not answer the question or defend it. Yeah. And they can say that it's a woman's body, 
But when the baby's born, it's not the woman's body. When the baby's in its eighth month, it's not the woman's body. This is not about reproductive choice. This is not about, uh, this is not about women's health. This is about murdering babies. And the fact that any Democrat with any power at all could publicly advocate, could somehow find a way to justify that position, I think, is a sign of the sickness of our culture, it's unbelievable. especially the Democrats in this culture. There's way too much to say about this. Yeah. All right. Number one. We got nine minutes. So number one, State Senator Barack Obama argued for this yes, to, did. Uh, against the Baby Born Alive Act because a woman has a right to destroy that which is in her. And if, if he or she happens to be born alive, then the mentality is that they, she's still, that right has not left her. She right. still has a right to destroy him right. or her. So now we used to, uh, Paul, you've been with me for yeah. 15 years. How many times have I said on this show when we talk about abortion that the Democrats want abortion? My phrase, abortion on demand up to third up to grade. third grade. And you know what? And, and how many people send I, me emails eviscerating me I saying I'm exaggerating? Does this sound like an exaggeration? I've been, the, this vindicates me. The logical extension is to have it up to second grade. Right. Because that's <laughs> right, right, right. that is the age of reason. Right. And what is it that uh, that people say distinguishes us between uh, you know us and other animals? It's reason. Right. Yeah. It's, it's self awareness, free will, and the and the use of reason. Yes. Right. That that doesn't kick in until around seven years old. Now you have academics arguing about you know when after birth should a child have his own right to life. Right. Um, self consciousness might happen around three years old. Should it be up till three? Uh, Peter Singer, I believe, from Princeton University is saying, well, at least up to three days so that the mother can have a, a, ra a, 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 you know, a sound look at whether or not she wants her child. And, and if she doesn't, then the baby can be, I suppose, left to, left to die. This is just a logical extension of the, the abortion mentality. Absolutely. Bottom line is... That the camel's baby, nose goes in the tent and then, you know... That baby who was just born is the exact same baby who wasn't just born right. just a few days later, who is right. the exact same baby of the baby in the second trimester of pregnancy, who's the exact same human being as the one in the first trimester, who happens to be the exact human being with the same genetic material, same DNA, same life as that zygote that was just conceived. So now, Keanu, you're a we, woman. We all have yeah. a life cycle that begins at conception and ends at death. You, now, Keanu, you're a woman. Yeah. You've been very quiet. I, I've, I feel very strongly for many different reasons about this topic. Uh-oh, here we go. You know, first of all, you know, I am a Christian. You know, I work in clergy. I'm in school to receive my pastoral. So this is obviously something that I, I feel strongly about. But it is not something that I have always felt strongly about, which is a point I want to make. Because, you know, six, seven years ago, 10 years ago, when I was, you know, in college in Boston, I wasn't, you know, living a proper lifestyle. I didn't believe in God, nothing. You know, I always said if I did get pregnant, I'd probably have to have an abortion because I would have to give up my schooling, give up my career. You know, my parents would probably have my head. But even then, when I fell into, you know, my addiction and what I was doing, living homeless um, in California, they were performing nine month abortions at this time. And even being a person in that disgusting lifestyle, I knew that was wrong. And I, I couldn't fathom that people on this earth existed that that would do this. Actually, I read an article last night that was talking about one of the doctors that works um, in California for these late-term abortions says that he believes that it is his calling. It is his passion. 
And this is the mentality. And if we didn't have, you know, people, these young, you know, millennial generation X, Y, Z, whatever, coming out saying, well, I didn't ask to be born, so I want to sue my parents for, you know, for not aborting for me. For not aborting me. <laughs> like that these are the things that are just gonna continue to perpetuate. Logical and the thing extensions. is our culture is doomed. Listen, Logical extension. We are we if are you are doomed. a person that has children, if you are a person that works in clergy, if you are someone, you know, who believes that they have any morality at all and you're staying silent, that's disgusting. Like this Amen. isn't this isn't You must be anti woman. I I, you know what? I get it. I <laughs> more get it. I'm pro-women. More than half the females um, are pre-born are women. Yeah. Listen, that I is. am pro-women. You know I mean. Like, you know, I'm... I'm I'm all about, you know, women having some type of power and, you know, having, you know, all of these these rights that they want. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I want to go back. I know we only have a few minutes. I want to go back to something Kiana said, because I think it's very important to point out when we have the abortion discussion, because it happens during every abortion discussion. Women who are for abortion say exactly what Kiana said. It would ruin my life. It would ruin my work. Mm -hmm. It would ruin my career. Me, 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 me. And whenever you talk to someone who's for abortion, abortion is the most selfish thing anyone can do because all you're thinking about is you you're thinking about your career and your future and your parents being mad at you and your boyfriend being Mm -hmm. mad at you and your husband being pissed off it's not the baby and when do we have it's just just like democrats care more about the the citizens of other countries than americans when did this party become so anti-american and so selfish. They're so Paul, they're so selfish. The whether it's abortion, whether it's the whether it's the immigration issue, it all comes down to selfishness. It comes down to like that original sin. They only care about themselves. So screw the baby. We don't want to talk about whether it's a real person or not, because that's uncomfortable. I care about me. I care about my future. I care about my career. I care about my family. You know, and not only that too, but we have we have all of these families out here, you know, taking in kids from DCF, you know, putting kids up for adoption. Do you even understand the price it costs to adopt a child? Yeah. It's like twenty five to fifty thousand dollars within the United States. Like, I'm sorry, but I don't have fifty thousand dollars to just be throwing away. And these children could be provided to thousands and thousands of families who would just be blessed. Plenty of people who want them. Who can't have their own children. Like right. we you know, I just it's selfish. It's selfish. Paul, anything to add on this? Well, you said you said a lot of good things. I think that uh, wow. We ever since before we went on the air, he told me I'm right. Now he's saying I'm, I'm saying good things. This take is a, a historical perspective. Banner I think day. Once modern philosophy played around with the the notion of liberty to mean basically license and selfishness, then uh, even even to the highest uh, highest courts in the land, uh, it has infiltrated. That liberty means that you have a right to to kill an innocent human being, and that's just absolutely incredible. I can't believe we live in a uh, a world which uh, cheers a, a bill that uh, has um, you know babies born alive being being killed. Yeah, the, uh, the mayor of New York had the yeah. top of the Empire State Building. Colored in yellow, I'm sorry, colored in pink. In pink. To quote, to quote, celebrate the passage of the bill. Yeah. To celebrate the killing of babies after they're born. Yeah, something to celebrate. Wow. Like, you know, we've come to, I guess what, I guess what shocks me is not what they're doing is that they're so doing it so openly that they think that we live in a culture now yeah. that is so bereft of any morality that they could do it and celebrate openly. And I guess that shouldn't surprise me given think, all the other stuff that's going on in our culture, but I, it does. I think after 46 years of legal prenatal homicide, um, 
that has probably been the, the most recent change, yeah. the attitude towards it. Yeah. The whole safe, legal, and uh, what, is, what did Clinton say? Rare, safe, legal, safe, and, legal rare. and rare has turned into shout your abortion, we're proud of right. it. Right. Which, yeah. which is a total attitude shift. Yeah. It's outrageous. It's yeah. just outrageous. When I heard what Governor Northrop said, and he said, well, the baby will be born, then we'll make it comfortable. Well, the fact that you're making mm. it comfortable means you're acknowledging it's actually a human being. That's right. That it responds to some type of stimulus, which means it's alive. It is know. all a logical extension of the abortion mentality. All right. Can we go like five minutes over? I got one more thing I want to breeze through. Is that all right? We're already going to run past three. So okay. I'll give you. I got 59 minutes. Up on yeah, that. I'll give you a couple. A couple minutes. All right. Elizabeth Warren's coming to Lawrence tomorrow. We expect she's going to be making her announcement that she's running for president. Oh, please run for president. Please. Oh, that would be awesome. I haven't Warren prayed in a long time. Yes. I haven't prayed for a long time, but I'm praying for that. Elizabeth Warren. Now, on the one hand, I, I, I want to defend her a little bit because I, I've been told my whole life. I've been told my whole life that my great-great-grandfather was black. Okay. All right? I used to tell people this when we would talk about, like, genealogy and stuff, and no one would believe me, and then I'd get ridiculed, right? All right? I'm the whitest white guy in the world, and I'm trying to say that I'm black. All right? I believe it. I've never cared enough to go have a DNA test to see if it's true or not. At some point, I probably will, but I never cared enough to do it, right? But I've always believed it. So I understand that, that Elizabeth Warren was probably told by her family that it was true, and I, and I believe that she probably believed that it was true, and I believe she probably told a bunch of people this growing up and in her early years and didn't get the response I got, which was ridicule, right? She probably was, it was probably received, oh, well, that's, that's, well, we didn't know that about you, Elizabeth. That's great. So she then, of course, moves it to the next stage and started using it to get jobs. Right, right, right. The problem that I have is that not so much that she lied, because I think she believed she probably was American Indian. The problem that I have is that she lied after the fact, after it turns out that she's not an Indian, after she had the DNA test and shows that she has no, no American Indian blood in her whatsoever, she has less than I do, right? She then told the press, well, but I, I never used this to get anywhere. I never used it to, to get an advantage. And we know for a fact that she used it to get a to teaching there's, Harvard. There's little evidence. And now, right? we've, now we've found out in the last two days a new, a new document's come out mm -hmm. right. that she signed up, I think, in Texas for the Texas bar yeah. and used it to get into the Texas bar. That's where I have the problem. Now, since day one, Paul, I have said, this Elizabeth Warren Indian thing, it's red meat for the base, but it's stupid. Let's talk about how her positions on things are wrong. Let's talk about what she's doing is wrong. Let's not talk about the Indian thing. It's just a distraction. But now that it's come full circle seven years later, and she has continually lied about it and not given an adequate answer while she's running around calling Donald Trump a liar, I think that's a problem. Well, there's the music. She wasn't, uh, she did have one um, ancestor, right? That was Native American? Well, well yeah. One, one, one thousand twenty-fourth. So you're talking okay. 500 years ago. There right. might be, yeah. right. but not American Indian, like a South American Indian. <laughs> I'm glad I, I found out that I have a black friend. Yeah, right? <laughs> That's really cool. And to tell everybody. Did you go be suing me yeah. next saying I'm lying? I'm not racist. I have a black friend. Yeah, All right, there kids. Uh, there is a Methuen City Council meeting tonight if you're listening to us live. Methuen City Council meeting tonight to talk about the police contract. They're going to finalize all that stuff. That's going to be real interesting. We will podcast that live on the Valley Patriot page. Kiana, thank you for being here. You're Paul Morano, thank you for being here. And real quick, tell us uh, where people can find you on the radio. 
980 WCAP, 10 to 11 Monday nights, as well as the internet. Just look up beneath the surface with Paul Morano. Success in the 603 coming up next if you're following us on Studio 21 Podcast Cafe. Thank you, Ed Sullivan. Thank you, our studio audience, Rich Russell, and everybody else. Appreciate it. We'll see you next week or next month, whenever we'll be here next. The views and opinions expressed by the hosts, guests, or callers of this program do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Studio 21 Podcast Cafe, the United Podcast Network, its partners or affiliates. That should be the cutoff.